On September 17, 1927, Charles Lindbergh flew from San Francisco to Oakland and then Oakland to Sacramento during his famous Guggenheim tour of 48 states and 92 cities in three months. On this same date, an NFL legend was born. The crazy thing about this is he holds a record for being the oldest player in NFL history at the age of, you guessed it, 48. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. Great Scott. This time as we step off for DeLorean, the date is September 17th. 1927, and we are in Youngwood, Pennsylvania. This also happens to be the NFL's seventh birthday. So if that gives you any context to the date, it is a long time ago because this upcoming year is the 100th season of the NFL. But we're here to see George Frederick Blanda. He played in the NFL, again, until he was 48, just like those 48 states that were flown across by Charles Lindbergh back in 1927. This happened to be when he retired just shy of his 49th birthday. He was a quarterback and also a kicker, of course, mostly a kicker in his twilight of his years, but he played an incredible 26 seasons, the longest career ever. And in those 26 seasons, he played 340 games. Now, Adam Vinatieri, he only has a couple seasons away to break that mark. And Matt Bryant, Phil Dawson, yeah, they're around that too, but this guy was the oldest non kicker. And guess what? The other oldest non kicker? That's coming up close is Mr. Tom Brady, but he's not really that close because he would have to play until the 2026 season to pass Mr. George Blanda. Like I said, George Blanda mostly played kicker near the end of his year. However, this is a record that possibly will not be broken, just like many of those other records that are out there. However, some of them will fall, and more than likely, there are going to be some records that fall in the 100th season of the NFL, just like there is every other year. But let's go back to the old age category. You know, the old guy, the old dudes. What I thought was more impressive when looking this up, that, you know, George Blanda, like I said, he was mostly a quarterback and uh, he played kicker a lot too near the end of his days and he played 26 seasons, right? Well, get this. In 1925 was the last year for Bobby Marshall. Now, he was an end for the Duluth Kellys that year. Also was John Nesser. He was a guard and tackle and last played in 1921 for the Columbus Panhandles. Both of them were at the age of the ripe old 45 number. So at the time, man, this is when they played both sides of the ball. This was a different kind of football and there was not really that much protection. So these were the real men. I'm telling you, Bobby Marshall and John Nesser, those are the two that should hold the record. And if that name Nesser rings a bell to you, that's because I brought up the Nesser brothers back in the previous episode, like way back in another long time ago episode. The six brothers named the Nesser brothers played for the same NFL team back when the first NFL games were playing. In fact, in the second season, the NFL second season, John's last year, there was another NFL record. This is an unbroken NFL record, and I don't even know if it will ever be broken because This is almost somewhat unfathomable to be able to imagine this happening in today's NFL. Charlie Nesser joined the Columbus Panhandles in 1921. 
he was the son of Ted Nesser, marking the only time in NFL history where a father and son playing on the same team. Now, that's just craziness, but maybe it'll happen. We've got Tom Brady trying to fight against Father Time. We've got all these other guys now with the different kinds of regimens as far as nutritional intake programs and the way that they can rehabilitate and such. Well, let's just see. We're going into the 100th season of the NFL. But speaking of that previous episode covering the Nesser brothers, you can listen to it all the way back on episode four of the podcast where I covered the history of the owner of the Columbus Panhandles, Joe Carr, often referred to as the father of professional football. You can easily get to this episode through your show notes on your podcast player or by heading to thefootballhistorydude.com. Again, that's thefootballhistorydude.com. Also, I ask that you please subscribe for free to the show by mashing that little subscribe button on your podcast player choice. That way you get the hottest, freshest out the press episodes well each and every week. Well, why all this talk about age? It's a curious topic because the NFL is entering its 100th season. So there's going to be talk all over the place about history and lore of the NFL, the gridiron greats, the extravagant, uh, I don't know what comes after that, but it's just the craziness of the NFL being here for 100 seasons. So you best believe there's going to be historical record talk. They're going to talk about all the crazy records and the momentous moments and all these other things. And there's going to be some records that are going to fall, just like every season. This season, there are some major ones that are coming close. So let's go ahead and dive right into the ones that might fall this upcoming year. The first one is Drew Brees. Yes, the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, formerly of the San Diego Chargers. Now, this guy only needs 20 touchdown passes to pass number one for all time. He currently sits at 520 and Peyton Manning at 539. Oh yeah, by the way, there's this other guy behind him, not too far. Brady's only three touchdowns behind Breeze, so just let's think about this. At the end of the year, maybe we'll have a little bit of fantasy football goodness between, you know, Drew Brees and Tom Brady trying to catch each other for some records. But we'll go ahead and see what happens there on after. Now, he also needs 563 passing yards, just 563, to be the first ever quarterback over 75,000 yards. And the Saints play at home their first game of the year. So it's entirely possible. Now, that's a lot of yards in one game, 563. But that's a lot of yards. Potentially, hey, maybe he gets it in his first game of the regular season of the 100th season. First guy ever to 75,000 yards. Now, his 387 pass attempts, he needs to get that amount to beat up Brett Favre for number one all time, who currently reigns at 10,169 pass attempts. And think about this. He already has 586 more completions than second place Brett Favre. So we're talking about an extreme difference in efficiency. Speaking of efficiency, Mr. Tom Brady. He will probably pass everybody else to get to number two in passing yards. Currently just a little bit over 1,400 away from Peyton Manning's number two perch, but we know that's going to pretty much get knocked down as long as he stays upright. Big Ben, he potentially jumps into fifth place, beating out Dan Marino. Think about that. Big Ben, Roethlisberger. Well, he needs 5,168 yards, which is possible. He potentially jumps Dan Marino with years to go. And the crazy thing is, Big Ben. Eli and Philip Rivers are all there. They all are within 1,500 yards of each other. So within two years, we're talking about three more guys that might be ahead of Dan Marino. That really goes to tell you and show you how offenses and how the game has changed since the 1980s. But going back to Tom Brady, here's another uh, 
kind of gold nugget, we'll say. This is his 20th season with the Patriots. This ties Daryl Green from Washington and Jackie Slater from the Rams. Now, first place is my boy, Jason Hansen from the Detroit Lions. He had 21 seasons with the same team. Tom Brady probably breaks this record next year, but, well, it ties him and then breaks it the following year, but we'll see. Another thing that Tom Brady could do this year is break the Pro Bowl nod record. Currently, he has 14, but so do a couple other guys. Well, four to be exact. That's Tony Gonzalez, Peyton Manning, Bruce Matthews, and Merlin Olsen. They've all been with Tom Brady to the Pro Bowl 14 different times. And not to mention, you know, of course, he pretty much holds all playoff Super Bowl records for a quarterback. But uh, we'll get to that at another point in time. Now, the next guy, another one that's kind of cool. It's one of those long-time deals. And one of these guys that's not really been able to play in that many winning teams. Larry Fitzgerald. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And this year, he only needs 23 receptions to pass Tony Gonzalez for second all-time. Now, Jerry Rice is like a couple hundred more than him, more than a couple hundred. So in theory, he's probably not going to get there. But think about this. In three years, you know, if he averages quite a few, let's call it 90-something catches, maybe he'll get there. Well, I don't think that's probably going to happen. Something that will probably happen is he and Antonio Gates are tied for 116 touchdowns right now. So he will probably pass Antonio Gates this year. Which brings me to another guy who hasn't really had a whole lot of team success. He hasn't been to the Super Bowl, really, and all that kind of thing, except for uh, maybe that one year when the 49ers went against the Ravens. I'd have to go back in time and see if he played with the 49ers at that time. It was Mr. Frank Gore. If I talked to you about Frank Gore, you'd probably say, yeah, he's a, he's a solid starter. He's played in the league for quite some time. I remember him on my fantasy team like ever since fantasy football was created. But that's why he's on this list. You see, Gore currently has 14,478 rushing yards. He is number four all-time. He's fourth in the all-time list. We're talking he is behind only Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, and the greatest Barry Sanders. So this year, he only needs 522 yards to pass Barry Sanders. I'm like, what? I had no idea he was that close. I mean, he's even number 20. I'm pretty sure he wasn't 20 his whole career. Now, I have no idea if he did that because if he's about to pass Barry Sanders or not, or if it was coincidence, or I have no idea. However, Frank Gore was not number 20, at least now with the San Francisco 49ers. Which brings us to another guy, Adrian Peterson. He's really not that far behind Gore. He sits currently number 7 on the list with 13,318 yards. So just imagine, you know, all day didn't have to sit out that one year. He's at 106 touchdowns also, which is tied with Hall of Famer Jim Brown for 5th place. Walter Payton is within striking distance at 110, but to get to third place, he'd have to beat out Marcus Allen with 123. And then there's something that is kind of like a potential prove his freakiness type of a guy. We all know that he's just a stud, but he's currently tied with OJ Simpson for the most 200-yard games. Both have six in their career. And I'm rooting for him, so if he gets one 200-yard game, he'll be the only player in NFL history with seven 200-yard games. And he's uh, getting up there in age. Speaking of another guy getting up there in age, Mr. LaShawn Shady McCoy. As of the time of this recording, he's still a teammate of Frank Gore. He's at 10,606 yards all-time, number 25 on the all-time list. So you're talking about number four and number 25. Now, I have no idea how many yards Shady you'll get, but just think about that. Maybe two in the top 20. That's just crazy. Two of the top 20 rushers of all time on the same backfield. But a guy that might have something to say about that. 
the hooded one, Mr. Bill Belichick. He will go down as either the number one or two greatest coaches of all time when he retires. Currently, he's the only person in NFL history that has eight Super Bowl rings. He has six of them as the head coach of the Patriots and two as a defensive coordinator for the Giants. And speaking of that, only three coaches in NFL history even have six championships. Belichick joins George Hallis and Curly Lambeau. Now, Curly Lambeau coached for 33 years and George Hallis for 40. Both were before the free agency era. So Belichick, even though he's only coached for 24 years, I mean, think about that. Take it for what it's worth. And I know there's a lot of other things about Belichick, but he has got to be near the top when you talk about best coaches of all time. He also has 31 postseason victories. Think about this. Okay, 31. The next closest is Tom Landry with only 20 and Don Chula with 19. Granted, it's not necessarily indicative because they have more playoffs nowadays, especially with Bilichek's era, than back in Georgia Hallis's and Curly Lambeau's when they didn't even have playoffs for sometimes. But that's a lot of playoff wins. And although maybe it pains me to say as not being a Patriots fan, Belichick might go down as breaking so many records as far as the head coach goes, and especially with those championships, that will never be broken again. And speaking of potentially, I'm using air quotes here, unbroken records, you know, records that cannot be broken, let's run down a list here. 1990, Derek Thomas. He took down Dave Craig seven times, seven sacks in a game against the Seahawks. He also tied for second place with six sacks in a game. Of course, there's three other players. Now, however, this is where it's kind of tricky because until 1982, the sacks, that was not an official stat. There's a legendary of mythical proportions that supposedly back in 1952, the Philadelphia Eagles played against the New York Giants and Polo Grounds. Norman Wildman Willie of the Philadelphia Eagles, they say that he had 17 sacks. 17 sacks in one game. Now, I think we got to take the DeLorean back to that game to really prove out and see if that's what it was. Like I said, though, not, not until 1982 was an official stat. Now, 143. Think about that number. Now, divide that by 16. Now, I know it's not perfect math, but that's almost 10 per game. What do I mean here? That's the most receptions in a season. Marvin Harrison back in 2002, basically nine catches a game. He was a PPR machine that year. The closest was Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. They both had 136. This year, maybe DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, I don't know. Just like for that sack record, maybe Von Miller gets it. Maybe he gets eight sacks. I don't know. Let's see. Another record that may never be broken was the Bucks started their first season in 1976. They proceeded to go 0-14. and 14. Yes, that's no wins, 14 losses that year. Then the next year, they started 0-12. Yes, that's 0 wins and 12 losses for a total of 26 straight losses. Now, no other team even lost 20 in a row. And maybe, well, pains me a little bit to bring this up. But yeah, sure, the Lions lost 19 in a row, leading to Matthew Stafford and everything. Let's move on past that. But the best part of it all was a soundbite from Coach John McKay. He said, Well, we didn't block, but we made up for it by not tackling. On the flip side of that, the San Francisco 49ers from 1988 to 1990, they had 18 consecutive road wins. And this was during the time when they had the uh, Super Bowl runs and they were on their way to the third. So you got to imagine that the teams were gunning for them. Then it brings us to Brett Favre. 
297 consecutive game, regular season starting games at quarterback. You know, they had more counting the playoffs and everything, but that's just a ridiculous number. And think about this. At the time that he broke Ron Jaworski's record, Draws only had 116 games. 116 games was the previous record. Now we're talking Brett Favre, 297. So this is just crazy amount, 11 seasons worth more. The Cal Ripken Jr. of the NFL, which is more impressive, he was a gunslinger. So it was even more of a crazy, wild type of record. Then we have a quarterback. In 1950, the season opener against the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles, Jim Hardy threw for eight interceptions, which is still the most in a game. The more interesting thing, though, is the next game, he threw for six touchdowns against the Baltimore Colts. And at the time, he was the only the third player in NFL history to do so. So we're talking a swing of 14 points. We're like eight interceptions to six touchdowns in the next game. Easily the most in history. This year, I'm thinking, hmm, if they give Magic Fitz Magic a try, I bet he could do it. Because that guy likes to sling him out there, but he also does find a way to get a lot of points. The next unbreakable record is Don Hudson. October 7th, 1945, one of the greatest wide receivers in history. Again, we talked about this guy too. He scored 29 total points in one quarter. He scored four touchdown receptions and five extra points. Ernie Nevers also did the same thing, kind of, but it wasn't for one quarter. It was for the whole game, the oldest NFL record in the books. Ernie Nevers scored 40 points. That was six touchdowns and four point extras after the touchdown in 1929. Willie Flipper Anderson holds the record for the most receiving yards in a game at 336. Sure, Calvin Johnson, he came pretty close back in 2013. He had 14 catches for 329 yards versus the Cowboys. So I'm thinking if I had to compare it, maybe somebody this year could do it. Tyreek the Freak or Julio Jones, that's a possibility. The final kind of like individual record as far as stats goes that I want to bring to you is Eric Dickerson. 2,105 rushing yards in a season. Adrian Peterson came pretty close back in 2012. He had 2,097 yards. But this year, you know, of course, Zeke, he has the best shot probably if he plays. But what I'm thinking is it'd be kind of cool. It'd be fun to see old man Peterson come back and break the record en route towards capturing the crown that Emmett Smith has for total career yards, which is 18,355. But with that being said... It's fun to think about all the different records that have occurred throughout the 100-year history of the NFL. And there's no way they were all covered here, but these were some of the ones that popped out from the past and moving on into the future. This still leaves one unbreakable record that seems unfathomable. Although some of it's technically happened before the Cleveland Browns entered the NFL, Otto Graham, the quarterback of the Browns at the beginning, has to have the best record of all. All four years of the existence of the All-America Football Conference, the Otto Graham-led Browns won the championship. Then after the Browns entered the NFL, the team went to six straight NFL championships winning four times, meaning Otto Graham appeared in 10 championship games in 10 straight seasons. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Football History Dude and were able to keep up with all the gridiron knowledge record nuggets that you could handle. If you enjoyed the show, I ask one favor of you. Please share it with one friend or family member that hasn't heard of the Football History Dude before. Now next week, we take a look at the longest standing rivalry in the NFL, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers, which kick off the 100th regular season next week. But for now, dudes, I'm through if you're through. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads.